To all the wanderers, wanderers, free thinkers, and throwaway kids, welcome to the dumpster fire. Let's, Let's get, get dumpster, dumpster diving. diving. Hello, this is Brian. Hey, it's Ella. It's Justin. What's in the dumpster today? Today we have for you some stories of travels abroad, of vacation. We have good and bad. Uh, Justin's got a very interesting story. Our stories are much more tame, but I still find them entertaining. So, today... What are we drinking today? We have Stillhouse, which claims to be America's finest bourbon. I have a hard time believing that because I bought this amongst about 20 fifths of alcohol on a clearance at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It is in a stainless steel can, which was my attraction. It looks like an oil can. It, looks, <laughs> it, is a, it is a classic oil can. Uh, it has an impressive cap. I can't find a lot about this bourbon. This, this company is really new. Uh, 80 proof. And uh, this is interesting. It says it's been mellowed in coffee beans. Now, I've tried this in the past and I actually think that it's a pretty good bourbon I mean we're in we're in uh, bourbon country so if you screw up bourbon around here I think really you just need to hang it up and go home this one fair you, enough all right everyone cheers mm. Oh, that is it's it's interesting the coffee beans really do add a layer to it it's, like, really a, it's like a cheap way to Instead of mellowing it in wood, just that's bump good. those tannins right through the roof. That's good. Yeah. Interesting. I'll it. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, trips abroad, vacation. Justin, <clears throat> yours, uh, I've heard a little of this, and uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, ours are... Uh, Should we go first? So that way, like, we kind yeah, of... Yeah, let's, let's go ahead. Ours are much more mundane. <laughs> yeah. So, I think the first time that I left the state of Indiana anywhere significant because of my upbringing. Uh, I was actually with Ella. We went and watched her niece shoot at the World Archery Tournament in Florida. It was in uh, Orlando. It was about 10 years ago. Yeah, this is 10 years ago. She shot in Orlando, Florida. Hey, uh, random question. Uh, what place did she come in? Uh, yeah, so this is the funniest part. While we're driving down there, she says that she wants a pair of Beats headphones, and these at the time were about 250 bucks, and that her mom's not, say, poor, but, you know, that's excessive. So she laughed and said, well, you win Worlds, and I'll buy you those Beats headphones. Yeah. Natalie won Worlds that year. That's Our awesome. niece was the World Archery Champion in Orlando, Florida. So that is fantastic. It's a really cool way for me to, like, cement that memory, because it was this huge family accomplishment while we were down there that we didn't really expect. Uh, I found out that... Uh, this area of Indiana is producing the most champion archers of anywhere in the U.S., which I guess makes sense. I mean, bow hunting is like a culture here. Yeah, uh, archery has become a huge culture, especially amongst adolescent females uh, uh -huh. because of uh, the Hunger Games. I think they all kind of grew guess. up wanting to be Katniss. Yep. Hashtag Katniss. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact: Natalie shoots inverted. She's right-handed and she shoots left-handed bow. I know this because every time she would win a bow, they would have to send that championship trophy bow back and get yeah. a left-handed model yeah very interesting so that that's a good story i mean that's one of our stories i also remember when i was on that vacation we were in this condo 
that was kind of a like they tried to get you to buy into a timeshare condo. Like, yeah. They made us sit in the thing, and I think we skipped it. But I walked around back because I hadn't ever been to Florida, and I'm in this tropical place. It's like the jungle to me. You yeah. Know? Like I feel like I'm Teddy Roosevelt yeah. showing up at the Congo. Yeah. And I walk over to this kind of lagoon that they had and it just sounds like the ground explodes in front of me and all these leaves rustle and stuff and I'm like holy heck what was that and this lady on her balcony goes oh my god and I'm like what was that she's like it was a gator so I'd walked right up on it she's like you're brave being down there so that was interesting I found a bunch of tree frogs there were lizards everywhere I mean this is the part of Florida where you're getting a lot of uh the moss on the trees. Yeah. Really, really cool time. Spanish so, moss. Ever since then, we've been addicted to uh, Indiana's backyard, mm-hmm. which is Florida. And we go there about annually. We've uh, we've got friends that actually went there on a vacation, applied for jobs and never came back. Yeah. It's kind of like the, one of those life goals, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we've never really quite committed to that. Those, they're in Naples. Naples is a very rich county. Yeah. Uh, I remember the talk down there when we were there last time was that uh, O.J. Simpson was moving into the county. Yeah. I don't, uh, Naples Golden is a Gate Estates, big uh, retirement community. Now. Big retirement. Yeah, people get get to that point. Uh, we also took my dad down to uh, Tampa, to Tampa, Florida. This was crazy. He uh, He's a Vietnam veteran, so he's under VA health care, which is its own subject. I mean, I can go on forever. But uh, I had bought him a... Acer uh, tablet. Like, it's not a tablet. It's the Chromebook. That's yeah. what it's called. And I set it up for him and showed him how to use it. And He gets on there and he's like, hey, I think I can get my medical records on this. And I, I got it all done for him. And he calls me up and I'm thinking, man, he's crazy. And he says, hey, I just went through all my medical records. I've got a parathyroid tumor. And I'm like, what? So he tells me it's what's going on. He's like, I can see it in my charts, my calcium, all these numbers. So I, uh, I go there and I meet with him and he actually goes through the charts with me and he shows me the Norman Parathyroid Center, who he sent his records to and sent money to, had wrote him back and said, you absolutely have a parathyroid tumor. You need to get that removed. Yeah. And uh, I started, I'm like, I think he's right. I really do. Yeah. So my dad's one of the smartest human beings I've ever met in my life. So I, I really don't like to doubt him. Yeah. But I'm also very stubborn. Yeah. So we yeah, ended up, we set it up. He's saying he's going to fly down. And I'm like, Dad, you're not going to be able to fly. Like, is it, I don't know. The parathyroid tumor had caused him this crazy anxiety. All kinds of stuff was happening. His calcium was out of control. Yeah. And when that happens, your body really goes nuts. So we actually drove him all the way down to Tampa. Drove him to the hospital. They said it was the largest tumor they removed that day. It was making something like 2,000 units. And the normal makes like 30. Wow. So he was absolutely right, and uh, he, he caught it. And it, it, believe it or not, the, the recovery was so quick. I mean, he was up the next day, and we went out and ate. It was it was a great trip. And, I mean, kind of surreal, you know? Yeah. Self-diagnose yourself, go down there, yeah. get this surgery done, and then, boom, you're fixed. And yeah. it, it, uh, it absolutely it fixed his calcium, fixed everything. His uh, VA doctor was not very happy with him. Yeah, which was interesting to me. I was like, you'd think you'd be like, oh man, teach me what what you saw here, but yeah, I don't know. It, that's that's just how that played out. Well, man. science can be as every bit as dogmatic as uh, religion I, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think that uh, I would have loved to have been a doctor, but I don't think at that time I had the ego for it. 
And I know that that sounds kind of bad. There's a lot of ego to say, I am going to fix you. I'm going to fix you. <laughs> I, I am the authority on yeah. your health. It's yeah. yeah, that's and that goes against kind of my personal mythos, you know, of yeah. like we are our own captains of our own that's ship. That's how I ended up in uh, alternative medicine, um, mm-hmm. massage therapy licenses. I grew up going to a lot of doctors. I have a condition called spina bifida. Um, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I can walk and everything, but I have had issues over the years. And uh, I did not like the Western approach that the doctor is the uh, all-knowing authority and he's supposed to know more about your body than you. And uh, I... I wanted to be in a more holistic approach. Um, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to help people with their health, but I wanted to look at the body as a whole. I wanted to um, look at people's lives as a whole. And yeah. that was a big approach for me. Um, so, but, so is that the, the main gist of your travel no, story? No, we have, we have one that was really interesting. Uh, so okay. I will, I will actually, Ella, do you want to take this one? I can try. All so right. basically we're, if you have ever traveled to me or traveled with me, you will know that I like to pee a lot. Um, road trips to me are snacks, sodas, um, fast food stops. Like, I would like to see the biggest ball of twine in Alabama, so I will take a road trip to that. Like, I'm yeah. a very direct person, but when you put an itinerary in front of me, I will eat that shit up. And so, like, I love scheduled bathroom breaks. So, I want dinner on the way down. I want a late night snack. I want to like plan our, our, you know, gas breaks. So when travel with me, you travel with someone that has to go to the bathroom a lot because my bladder is the size of a pea. So um, when I have like a Slurpee and a, you know, Coke and then we have dinner and I have like four glasses of water in one dinner, I'm going to pee a lot. So we are traveling down to Florida and we get... I'm not going to lie. I swear to God, it was like three or four exits away from where we had just stopped. And I was like, guys, I was like, I'm just going to put it out there. kind of have to pee again. And I was like, I'm really sorry and this and that. And thank goodness the driver was like, oh, thank God somebody said something because I have to poop. He was like, I didn't want to bring it up, but like, it's bad. <laughs> so we are in like bumfuck Alabama. We have gone past um, Montgomery, all that stuff. We passed the giant rocket that sits off on the side of the road. And we are in like a one lane highway, like dirt on the side of the road or sand, like it is bad. And we pass a gas station's abandoned next to another gas station that's abandoned on the other side of the road. There's a pit bull tied to a old abandoned gas uh, pump thing. And we're just like, we're gonna die. <laughs> so we're like, this is the way to Destin really? It really is. Like, you literally get off the interstate yeah. for a while, and you're just on a random county highway in the bottom of Alabama. Um, anyway, we we get off, and we're like, we have to pee, we have to poop, like, we're good. We walk into this gas station. It's like concrete blocks is the whole building. Like, they didn't even, like, try to drywall or anything. It's just concrete blocks, okay? Um, we turn left. There are alligator heads and ethnic hair. I that was the first time I realized you could buy hair at a gas station because you could. Um, obviously, there's spoiled peanuts because you get south spoiled yeah. peanuts are in every gas Everywhere. station. Yeah. Uh, and homemade like like random like bought from Walmart crockpots. By the way, so like yeah, this is like that's weird the thing. as hell. Yeah, it's everywhere. 
So there's one bathroom total for men and women. Yeah. We take our turns. Obviously, the guy that has to poop, thankfully it was nice. I'm going to go last. I go first because I'm about to pee my pants. I walk in, and this is your standard generic, like, serial killer dungeon, like, light fixture, like, light bulb hanging from exposed wire from the ceiling, pull chain, and, and like, you pull it, the, the bulb swings, and I'm like, that's exposed wire. Like, I don't think that's to code. Yeah. I look to the left in the swinging light where there's shadows and everything. There's blood on the concrete wall. There's hair. I'm like, someone had their head bashed into this wall. <laughs> I'm like peeing, like literally tears coming down. Like, I'm going to die in this stupid gas station in Bumfuck, Alabama. Didn't even make it to Destin. Like, this is horrible. Come out. Why does the ghost? are like, what's wrong? I'm like, you'll see. They all go, we get out, we leave. And they were like, dude, I'm pretty sure, like, we could have legit died. Like, there are horror films that start out with this exact scenario. It's like, that was so dumb of us to do that. Yeah. So that is our vacation. So we made it to Florida just fine. Destin was amazing. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But we almost died in Southern Alabama. We had one other weird... Kind of happening. It was in Bama too. No. No, this was in Georgia. That was Georgia. That it, was hot Atlanta. Yeah. No, it wasn't Atlanta. It was well. Atlanta was the one where the kids were all at the Dairy Queen, uh-huh. and the girl tried to get us to uh, to give her a ride, and we were like, no, no, no. And then she walked over to this group of like fifteen young kids, and this is a school night. It was very peculiar. But the one I'm thinking of was we were in this small, tiny town in Georgia, close to Florala, which is right there on the border. Yeah. And this guy runs out in the road, like flapping his arms at us, and very interesting person. I just swerve around him. Yeah. I'm like, nope. Like that, you don't do that. Like I didn't I, I didn't feel like he was in uh, any urgent need. Yeah. And we get up and there's same thing. There's a big group of guys on the left walking their dogs or pit bulls and stuff. Hey, this is like three in the morning. Because we always Detroit? drove at night. Your road trip to Detroit. That, I, I, I did that. Yeah, I took a friend of mine to Detroit. I was young then. I'm in my twenties. And this is the one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me. Well, uh, Nothing bad really happened in Detroit except we found out that even the cops don't stop at red lights at night. Yeah. Like, don't mess around with that. Just drive through them. It's the Motor City. But we get there, and I've never been here before, and I'm I'm looking, and I'm like, there's all these old abandoned factories and stuff. And it's, like, mind-blowing to me that I'd I'd never really put it together back then. I was too young to understand that, you know, this used to be one of the biggest industries in the U.S., and it's kind of shut down now. Yeah. So I'm like, I've got a piece so bad. And it's just stretches of all these factories. And finally, I'm like, hey, this factory's kind of lit up, the parking lot is. So I pull in there, and I pull over, and I run around, and I pee. And I look over, and it's like something out of the movie. There's this perfect beam of light coming from the street light shining on the ground. And I just, I'm looking at this factory and kind of taking it in. I walk over there, and there's this foot-long pipe with a faucet head on it. And I was like, this is an omen. So yeah. I pick it up, and I was like, this is a Detroit pipe. Yeah. <laughs> like, I may need this. Yeah. So it never ended up needing it. Everything worked out fine. Uh, yeah. I took him to meet some lady, and uh, it, that all went fine. Uh, we had we had a hard time getting back, and we were, we were broke as heck, and had to, I think, get some money for gas, but we made it. So that was yeah. a that was a foolish adventure. Uh, I don't think you had finished. Uh, you were in the middle of a story uh, when you broke into Detroit. You are talking about Florida. The other Florida. The other Florida story, yeah, it goes that uh, the guy comes out flailing his arms at me. No, no, no. The kids. Well, no. This was a guy in the road flailing his arms at me, and I swerved around him, and there was the gang of people there. 
So the kids that were in uh, were in Atlanta. Atlanta's a rough place. I mean, everybody kind of knows that. Uh, we actually pulled into a gas station, and the amp in her car had quit working. That's something yeah. in her car. Yeah. And side note, do you remember um, the fifty nifty uh, United States from thirteen original colony song that they make you learn on President's Day or whatever? Yeah. I literally like Alabama. Like I'm like going through every, and I'm like Addie. Wake up! I can't remember the states because I had gotten to like um, I want to say like the M's, and I was like I can't remember what comes after like whatever, and uh, so she's like trying to help me, and then I was like Washington, Adams, Jefferson, and I'm like I can't remember who's after the third president. I'm like we had the president song. I'm like help me. So like I am like almost falling asleep driving. Brian's asleep, Addie's asleep, and I was like. You guys have to wake up. The radio's dead. It won't play. I'm like, we're like an hour from um, Atlanta. I was like, I need help. So I'm singing like every song I can think of from grade school, like try to keep my mind going. Yeah. Uh, so that happens. And then we actually get to the gas station. Get to the gas station. I'm in the trunk of the car pulling the amp out, which is probably foolish because yeah. I had luggage sitting outside of the car. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously looking out of place big time in the middle of Atlanta driving at night. Yeah. And that was when the girl walked over and was like, hey, uh, can I get a ride? And I was like, hey, I'm sorry, we can't. We're, we're going to get back on the road. What's up? It's like, oh, well, I need to call someone. I was like, okay, you need to use the phone? No. And she just got weird, acted really strange. Well, I look over at the same time, and there's a Dairy Queen next door. And there's this huge fight that breaks out over there. And that group of kids that got in the big fight and got kicked out of the Dairy Queen were the same kids that she walked over and joined up with oh, and wow. walked off. So I was like, I don't know if that was like a, a close call or if she really did need a ride. I've never really sorted that one out. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a cautious person. I, yeah. I don't, I, like, I'll help anybody. I mean, I'd pick up a hitchhiker so long as I had the right vibe, but I also trust my gut. And yeah. I just got a real bad gut feeling on both those things. Yeah. So... Yeah, the, the drive to Florida's been sketchy. We've never had a Florida man run in. Yeah. They, everything's been pretty tame down there. That's been all fine. I've had several Florida men run ins, but mostly outside of Florida. Yeah, outside of Florida. Yeah, it's <laughs> like the, it emboldens them when they're outside of the state. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, I had a. Back to your story about the terrifying gas station, I kind of had a terrifying trip as well. I. Uh, my first trip to Louisiana. I was dating a suicide girl, for anyone who's unaware. Suicide girls are essentially oh, yeah. nude tattoo models. They're I, tattooed and pierced. I knew a girl that did that. Um, and, uh, girl that had spina bifida, oddly enough. Yeah. Yeah. I was dating uh, a suicide girl, and she was from Dulac County, Louisiana, which is, uh, I think it's about 14 miles east of New Orleans. It's on the Mississippi-Louisiana border. Um, and uh, it is a whole different fucking world down there. Yeah, tell me more about that. Um, it is a whole different world. Uh, we uh, <laughs> we were getting down there. Uh, we wanted to avoid the traffic, so we got down there about 5 a.m. And there's only one job in Dulac, and that's shrimp trawling. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up poor in the country. This was a different level of poor in the country. There's literally one job. Either work at the local gas station or you're a shrimp trawler. <laughs> like right. Their gas station is a 
grocery store, gas station, everything. You literally have uh, credit at this store, the only store in town, yeah. until shrimping season. <laughs> you pay all your bills at once. Oh, uh, wow. And they all take care of each other down there because they have to. That's how you survive down there. Well, her family was actually considered upper middle class because her dad not only worked on the boats, he owned two boats, which did not mean he was a wealthy man, but it meant he wasn't starving. Right, and right, uh, right. it's shrimping season, so I know I'm not going to meet the dad, uh, at least for a few days. He's not going to bring the boats in until the weekend. And uh, so we're getting down there about 5 in the morning. We're trying to sneak in, um, get a couple hours shut-eye uh, before her mom wakes up. We're trying to sneak in without waking up her mom. Well, it's a small, uh, single-story ranch-style house. And first of all, there's not a sneaky bone in my fucking body. Uh, <laughs> we have to sneak in through the kitchen. And first step I take in to the kitchen, it's linoleum, and I notice Tia's in front of me, and I notice that I've tracked this red dirt on my mom's kitchen floor. And I'm trying to kneel down and sweep it out the door real fast before anyone notices. Tia turns around, sees me kneeling down, sweeping. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? I said, I'm trying to sweep this red dirt off your mom's clean kitchen floor. I ain't, I ain't trying to get beat up. I know how my mama is about a clean kitchen floor. Right. She will cut you. And uh, she said, honey, that ain't red dirt. I said, well, what the fuck is it? She said, it's brick dust. I said, how in the fuck did I track brick dust on your mom's clean kitchen floor? She said, it's hoodoo. I said, it's who what? <laughs> what? She, she said, it's voodoo. And I said, it's who what? She said, it is the light side of voodoo. And I said, I ain't going to survive this trip, am I? I am the token <laughs> white guy right now. Like, I was like, girl, you can't even touch me on this trip because people making love in the scary movie, that's the first people to die. I'm like, you got to yeah. keep your hands to yourself, little girl. You got to be and, chest. <laughs> it's, like, it's the, not only the couple that has sex, but the interracial couple that has yeah. sex. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Age yeah. rules, that's just it. So, uh, so, we get in without waking her mom up, sleep for a couple hours. She wakes me up and says, uh, I got a treat for you today. Uh, I said, it's like 6 o'clock in the morning. The only treat I need is about two more hours sleep. She said, no, you got to help the men. I was like, help the men do what? She was like, you'll see. And she's like, dad called. He's bringing the boats in today. So I go downstairs, and this is 6.30 in the morning, and there is literally... Uh, 45 members of her extended family everywhere. Oh, wow. And uh, in a tiny house. And the men, like, she introduces me to all of her male uh, relatives, and they take me outside. They've all got these big pickup trucks with tables in the back, like picnic tables and folding card tables. And we start unloading tables and lining up in the backyard, and, and we had probably 12 to 15 tables. And her... And I'm talking to everybody. We're having a good time. Uh, there were drinks, and this is at 10 o'clock in the morning And by that point. <laughs> and uh, everyone's talking, and uh, her dad pulls in. And this man gets out. I've never met Dad. She's never brought a white boy home. and I, So she's nervous. I'm nervous because she ain't never brought a white boy home, and I'm about to meet Dad. And he is a large man. He's probably six foot, everybody at 300 pounds, and he's got a full round afro and beard. Like, it just goes all the way around. <laughs> And he's got a sack over his shoulder like Santa Claus. And uh, that sack, you could smell him as soon as he got out of the truck. He smelled like fish. Well, everyone kind of made way for him. And uh, he mean mugs everybody. Doesn't even say hi. Goes inside. He's inside for about 45 minutes. I was like, your dad didn't look happy. She's like, oh, no. He, he's just got to get cleaned up and stuff. Mm -hmm. He comes back out and starts mingling. 
after about an hour of mingling and everybody, hugging everybody, saying hi to everybody, he said, well, I better just start cooking. So he disappears into the house. And I had to pee, and I noticed that their kitchen literally has a lock on the inside of the kitchen so they can lock people out. That's how serious they take the really? recipes. Yeah. So he's in there cooking away, and uh, he comes out all uh, done up. He's got his hair slicked down. He's dressed nice. And uh, he comes out with an apron on and an actual cowbell and starts ringing it. And he's got a big pot in his hand, a big cast iron pot. And we had put tarp down on all those tables. And everybody gathers around, and he sets the pot at the end of the table. And it, uh, they sent me next to 94-year-old grandmother, uh, <laughs> pre-old grandmother. And she leads everybody in a little prayer. And uh, he's like, okay, let's do it. And he flips that pot over right in the middle of the first table. And just dumps every type of seafood you can imagine. I mean, there's crawfish, there's prawns, there's shrimp, there's crabs, whole, uh, whole uh, crappie, and just everything. Fresh water, salt water, all kinds of stuff. And it's everything that he caught that he couldn't take to market. And you can just smell all the herbs and spices. It's spicy. Well, um, he keeps on bringing out pots. There's a pot for just about every table. And you didn't get no silverware. You got a cracker, a bib, and a beer. Um, <laughs> even the kids get a cracker, a bib, and a beer. Oh, you need wow. to get no silverware. So I'm sitting there kind of waiting uh, to see what's happening. And everybody starts digging in. It's pandemonium. And 94-year-old girl, old grandmother, she's like hitting people with her crackers. Going, get off my crab. That's my crab. <laughs> and she looks at me. She's, she got a crab leg in her hand. She said, boy, you best dig in. About to be gone. <laughs> and uh, so I start digging in. And it was one of the best meals I've ever had. It was delicious. It was so spicy and i'm sweating and tia made fun of me the whole time she's because we met in kentucky she was like why do kentucky boys sweat so much i'm like because you can cut your air with a butter knife like <laughs> the air's sweating down here yeah. it's like two thousand percent humidity down here mm -hmm. well we have that night and then uh, a couple days later that's on a wednesday and we're going to stay till sunday night um through sunday night with her parents and then we're going to spend a week in new orleans well, her dad approaches me after everyone kind of uh, ends for the evening and starts going home. And he said, I heard you can cook. And at the time, I was a line cook. I was a prep cook, sous chef. Mm -hmm. And I said, I can move in the kitchen. He said, well, you're going to help me on Sunday with the throwdown then. And I didn't know what the throwdown meant, but all I said was, yes, sir. <laughs> you big man, and he's uh, he is dad. And uh, so she was like, oh, you're in for it. And she tells me, I'm in for it. So the throwdown comes. Um, he wakes me up about five o'clock in the morning and we go to the local, local grocery and we go to the docks, uh, to this little open air market about 10 miles outside of Dulac. It's right on the edge of New Orleans. And we buy, he spent, he drops a thousand dollars on food. We just buy everything under the sun. And literally I was his bitch for the next four hours. I didn't just hand him shit. And the thing that really stood out to me, he pulled out this, what looked like an old leather bound family Bible. And it's all loose leaves of paper. Some of them look ancient. They're yellow and brittle looking. And you can barely read the writing on it. Mm -hmm. It's so faded. Those were recipes. That's his family recipe book. Oh, wow. And uh, he said third generation at least. Um, and uh, he's he's got the recipe book open, but he ain't even looking at it. He's been cooking these right. with his grandma since he was five years old, you know. So he's just pointing and I'm handing him shit. And I'm... Uh, I'm stirring shit for him, essentially. Well, we get done, and again, we had left those tables out in the yard since Wednesday. And 
it was so beautiful. Uh, they explained it to me. I was talking to one of her aunts that they don't have a church in Dulac that their family goes to. This is their church. They just cook a huge meal because they've, they've got more than most in Dulac. And if you show up, you get a plate and you get fed. And uh, by 10, 11 a.m., there was singing and dancing happening. There's music being played. Somebody oh, had a awesome. guitar. And uh, again, one of the best fucking meals I have ever had. It was amazing. And it was just beautiful to see how they take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody in the neighborhood showed up. It was like a real village. You yeah. know? Well, then we go to New Orleans. Now, New Orleans is her stomping grounds. Because when she goes to town, she goes to New Orleans. 14 miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she drives... 15 minutes to town, then she's going to New Orleans. Well, I didn't get, like, the tourist side of New Orleans. I got the, uh, this is my stomping ground side. And uh, she thought it was real funny to scare me. <laughs> uh, so we broke into the uh, cemetery in the French Quarter, the the several-story-tall mausoleums. Mm-hmm. And she's hiding. This is at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm buzzed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's no. hiding and jumping out from shit. Yeah, she almost lost her life. Um, but uh yeah we we had a good time but after we did all that she's laughing at me making fun of me and uh she's like i want a drink i was like it's like four o'clock in the morning where are we gonna find a drink girl and she's like you'll see and we're we're just walking down bourbon street and there's this little tiny alley um i mean the alley couldn't even fit a car down and she's like that green door right there um, so I walk over to it. She knocks on Wait, the door. Wait, you went in the alley? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a green door on the side of the building. She knocks on it and says something in French. They reply back on the other side. And you can hear music vaguely. Mm-hmm. And you can see light coming out from under the door. So, some uh, big, tall, black guy open, <laughs> opens the door and waves her in. Mm-hmm. And we walk in. We sit down. And it's like an... I felt like I was walking into Prohibition era... Um, bodega or a oh, speakeasy cool. yeah uh, i mean there's gambling going on people are shooting dice in the corner really? uh drinks i mean it was cool and we're sitting there having a beer they had some pretty good beer on draft honestly and we're sitting there she likes dark beer like i do so we're sitting there sipping beer and this tall skinny black kid he looked real ashy almost gray he had mm-hmm. dreadlocks down to his butt and now we're in new orleans in the summer it's like 95 degrees out He's in a trench coat that goes down to his knees, like one of the old Western Duster trench coats. And uh, he walks in, and uh, she's like, I can't remember what she said his name was, but she says hi to him, and he nods. uh, And she introduces me, and I go to shake his hand. She swats my hand. I was like, what was that about, girl? I got a little bit of buzz on him. What was that about, girl? I got to shake his hand again. I was like, I'm not trying to be rude. I go to shake his hand, and he just grins real big. She slaps my hand again. And he had this little, tiny, skinny, crackhead-looking white dude following him. And he was standing right behind him. I could barely see the white kid because he's standing directly behind him. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like, you ain't allowed to shake his hand. I was like, oh, is he royalty or something? <laughs> like, and he was like, uh, I'll see you around. And walks off. White kid follows him. Uh-huh. Well, after he walks away out of earshot, she was like, he is a, I think she said a deado, uh, which is a hoodoo priest. They can really? actually steal souls. Um, that that kid was addicted to do- the kid following him was addicted to zombie dust, and uh, that was his slave that he had stolen his soul. So you're not allowed to touch him because he might snatch your soul. 
Now, I don't know how much I buy into all that, but it's real when you're in the moment. <laughs> Wait, so, so can you explain what zombie dust is? Like, uh, I don't know what that is. It's a powder they blow into your eyes or a nose um, that is addictive. It takes control of your soul. As the, the ingredients, there's some sort of, I know milled bone is in it, and like there's some dark ritual around it. I'm not real sure so on that. So this young man that was behind him, was he, did he like get this blown in his face like Mrs. Willow? Like, was it willingly? I never was clear on that, and I didn't ask too many questions. Um, so, but, so we leave, and uh, the next morning, she wakes me up early again. She's an early riser. She barely slept. And uh, she's like, well, I just want to show you a few things today. And we go to Madame Lailerie's uh, built, rebuilt house, which is a tourist trap. It mm-hmm. wasn't nothing special. Okay. But then we're walking down downtown New Orleans, and she's like, I want to show you something. I don't want you to touch nothing. I don't want you to say nothing. I don't want you to do nothing. I just want you to see that this shit's real down here. I was like, okay, what you got? And we walk into this little tiny head shop on the corner. And it's like any head shop I've ever seen. Tie-dye and glass pipes. That's essentially all they got. They got some jewelry, you know, some hippie jewelry. Well, there's this old toothless black man behind the counter. She says something in French to him. And uh, he laughs and uh, says something in French back to her. And then he, I, I think he was just messing with me, but he pulls this little, looks like toy Morocco from behind the counter, starts waving it around my face. I pull back, I'm like, whoa, what you doing, dude? Right, and he right. just laughs. And then he nods to her and waves me behind the counter. He opens up the gate to behind the counter. She's like, go on now. I said, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, no, go. So I walk behind the counter, and we walk into this little tiny back room. It's almost like a closet. But in the corner, there is a live chicken in a cage. There is a three-tier table that looks handmade with handmade candles all over every inch of it. Um, There is a wall covered in jars, mason jars. Uh, I swear I saw an eyeball. That might just be my imagination, but it felt like I saw an eyeball on them jars. So I was, I was like, I am not going to survive this trip. Right. And she was like, Oh yeah, no, yeah. She's like, Don't touch nothing. Don't say nothing. Don't do nothing. I don't want you getting no bad juju. I just want you to see that this shit exists and that it is real down here. So we leave, and uh, she, we had a great, great day that day. We talked, and while we're down there, she tells me. For uh, $300, you can hire yourself a second line. I said, what the hell is a second line? She said, that's yeah. a five to seven piece brass band that will literally meet up with you in the morning and play till sundown. They'll follow you anywhere you want to go. So you can, I said, so you're essentially telling me I can throw a, myself a parade for $300. She said, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. I, I am not the type of person that needs that kind of information. Mm-hmm. I've already done it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a story for another time. But, um, but yeah, that's my story about my first trip to Dulac County and um, to New Orleans. And uh, it was pretty interesting. I, I didn't get my soul snatched, but um, we're st- I'm still friends with Tia. We still talk a couple times a year. And I tell people that she put a root on me. I swear I was six foot tall when we dated. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm five yeah. six. Yeah. So you- <laughs> she shrunk my ass. <laughs> I swear if she, if she wants to come on, like that would just be great. Just to get like a different perspective of she- like... We are very southern. She yeah. is not allowed to hang out with me. Oh, uh, she's with a guy that doesn't um, want. That could segue into out. a whole other podcast. That's, that's <laughs> absolutely going to be a podcast. Um, that has been a huge impact yeah. on my life. So yeah, uh, that kind of control dynamic. So yeah. definitely something I'm not with. I, I think 
I think that the, it's interesting you say, you know, you get down there to New Orleans. Like, we hear that here, hoodoo, like, a laugh. Yeah. But then you could go to a Pentecostal church around here, speaking tongues. <laughs> yeah. You could probably find someone to handle snakes. Yeah. So I it's, it's it. very interesting. I always it's look at cultural. religion like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... You can believe one myth, but not another. Yeah. And like, it, you're going to laugh at one, but the other one's real. Well, it becomes almost a formative reality, right? Like yeah. the shared stories we have. Yeah, and I think there's some shared reality there. I think mm-hmm. there's some shared consciousness. I think anyone who survives to their 30s realizes that there's a little more in this world than what your eyes see. And I think there is some something to the hive mind. I think we do share yeah. um, some form of consciousness. I think together our uh, umbel or uh, proprioception combined creates the reality around us. Right. Um, so that kind of leads to like biocentrism or possibly that we're in a simulation or, um, I mean, I don't have all the answers, but there's definitely something more going on than what the average person sees. And you take, for instance, uh, DMT. They took a group in, uh, I believe it was 99 or 2000 down to Peru, a shaman who is, uh, sponsoring upon the, the glories of DMT, how it was changing people's lives. Right. They took 26 people down there and two, uh, two doctoral students uh, in psychology. They're going to do a study. These people did a shamanistic uh, DMT ritual, uh, 26 people, and all 26 of them got interviewed afterwards individually. Now, the average, when you're doing ayahuasca, that form of DMT, it's a very short experience. I've done it, and it's 20, 25 minutes. So after the event, they had all drank the ayahuasca together, 26 people. So they were interviewed separately by these psychologists. Every one of them saw the same thing. Yeah. And uh, for a hallucination to be a hallucination, um, it has to not be real. Uh, So uh, if 26 people saw it, (laughs) I think that was, I think... Uh, substances like DMT may help you tap into that hive mind, that shared, well, that collective conscious. This is an interesting thing. Uh, you know, you can go to any grocery store right now and pick up melatonin. Yeah. Uh, they found that, you know, it absolutely helps with sleep. It is the sleep hormone. Yeah. Uh, when you have PTSD, yeah. you don't release enough melatonin. I think a lot of people have a, a form of that, probably yeah. because of religion and things like that, that they're raised with that yeah. are completely hashed out by the group. And yeah. So that actually was uh, Rick Strassman started his research with melatonin and leaned over into DMT. And he actually found the same thing. He said, he said, I think the quote is that the results were hard for him to consolidate because he thought that all after like the light at the end of the tunnel experiences were completely manufactured by the brain as like a coping mechanism. But he said that there were these experiences that kept getting shared that were way too big yeah uh, i think he calls them machine elves or something or that's oh, been yeah. used at yeah. some point yeah Clockwork people see these or machine these elves. things on the other side of it yeah so he he absolutely did that and then the the government shut him down and uh, they actually turned dmt into a uh, class one narcotic yeah schedule one schedule one yeah, yeah. so means you, it has no medicinal value and that just the the fact that uh it, uh, you're trusting a government to make rules for you that believes that weed is the same thing as heroin. <laughs> That's insanity. <laughs> I mean, that is insanity. 
Um, so I don't really buy into those arbitrary laws so much. But yeah, uh, DMT, I, my experience was very similar to others that I've talked to. It's uh, And we know that the pineal gland does produce DMT. So this is your ultimate vacation yeah, that you e- took. Every, everything, um, every living creature that they've studied has some form of DMT. DMT in it. And uh, it's a... It's an interesting thing. Um, some believe that when your life flashes before your eyes, before you die, that it's literally happening because that's when your brain gets flooded with DMT. And I can tell you from my own experience, I experienced like 40 years of life in 22 minutes. I mean, literally. That's amazing. Uh, I experienced a lifetime. I experienced the rest of my life. Um, it was a uh, time ceased to exist. I stepped out of this uh, space-time continuum into another one. Um, I I fully believe that substances like DMT, we don't understand the brain or the driver of the brain. We understand more about the physicality of the brain than what actually drives the brain. What mm-hmm. is thought? What is yeah. consciousness? We don't we don't have the vocabulary for that yet. Um, so I think substances like that could possibly you could be stepping into another dimension. You could be experiencing something on a different plane of existence, a different vibration of existence, or perhaps a complete new dimension. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I can tell you, I, th- I I believe that everyone should try it once. <laughs> right. Well, they all will try it once, because that's yeah. dumped in your body when you die. Yeah. When you that's die, the thing. Everybody yeah. gets to try it once. So you so. got you, you to cut in line, there's essentially some, what you did. Yeah, there's something called, uh, in the psychonaut world, uh, people that have experienced and uh, promote psychedelics, um, called ego death and I've experienced it twice it's where the self is completely dissolved and you were tapped into I can't even fully explain it um, I don't think anyone has the vocabulary to fully explain it but you're tapped into a different self and it feels more like your true self than you've ever felt in your life the the idea of i disappears you were fully a part of the universe you're fully part of the world um you can feel the minutiae of the connections between you and every other living creature on the planet it's a pretty amazing feeling i think everyone should uh, aim for that one time in their life All right um I, it definitely has changed and molded my life in many ways so So did you experience the presences when you did your trip i did uh mine was i've i had a minor in comparative mythology in college so that's always been an obsession of mine Mm -hmm. so i met an actual goddess uh hecatea or uh nyx um she was kind of both at the same time which both are liminal goddesses which liminal uh is a god or goddess that's about Uh, pathways crossroads pathways doorways gates Um, it's about crossing over and many of them are psychopomps uh, which a psychopomp is someone who leads you to the afterlife right Um, so I experienced uh, Hecatea slash Nyx uh, which Nyx is the night personified she is the night Um, she I blasted off from my body had a complete and total out-of-body experience and I was in the cosmos I was literally floating in space and I'm approached by Hecatea Nix and she uh, she showed me 
two swirling masses of cosmic dust, and I understood that those were portals. And I got to choose one, and it was so cliche. One was slightly tinted red, and one was slightly tinted blue. <laughs> and I, I picked the red one. <laughs> and uh, the red I, one. Huh? I experienced the next forty years of my Took life. The red pill. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I saw myself adopt a child. I raised said child. I uh, watched her have children. Um, I mean, I literally experienced 40 years of life. And when I came back, they had been timing me. 22 minutes in this dimension had passed. And uh, it was pretty amazing. Oh, wow. That... Yeah. It was a pretty amazing experience. Yeah. It yeah. really was. So, that is shockingly similar yeah. to the other experiences people have. On yeah. This. I didn't, per se, uh, see the clockwork elves or the machine elves um, that others have seen mm-hmm. that particular time. The second time that I actually just did DMT, it wasn't ayahuasca, I did see the machine elves. And very clearly, like, they were, like, showing me uh, around another dimension. Like, and that one actually felt like it only lasted about 30 minutes. Right. Um, but uh, they were literally showing me around, like, introducing me to a, another dimension without com- verbally communicating. It was like a form of telepathy or something. Yeah. Um, they were communicating on a, a level that I hadn't previously experienced. Um, like, they were putting images directly into my brain. Like, I knew where to go because they just showed me where to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was very interesting. So, uh, we're going to take a step back, uh, go back to dork, I guess, drug use. So, um, like, straight edge, like, I'm going to college, I'm going to smoke a joint. Land. Um, Brian and I got... The green stuff from Eurotrip. What was that? Oh, absinthe. Absinthe. Yeah, right. I got absinthe when it first became technically legal again in right. the U.S. Yeah. You could order it, but yeah. they had to send it as an extract. You couldn't yeah. get it as a liquid. So we were in yeah. college and we'd watch Eurotrip, and everybody was like, "Oh, you see the everybody, you chasing see the, the green, green man, favorite. you see the green man." Yeah, chasing Guess the green Guess what I fairy. saw? When you say <laughs> I saw a fake penis of our friend, not even the real penis, like a penis bulge. And I kept chasing, like, put your dick up, put your dick up. And he was like, I don't have my dick out. What are you talking about? I was like, I'm not stiff. (laughs) And we smoked it from a pop can. And the whole time, I'm like, this shit didn't work. I didn't see a green flag. You're talking about salvia. She's talking salvia. Salvia. The the absinthe is a... uh, yeah, I've done. I've had absence many times now. It's, you can go purchase it. Yeah. And there's some that's yeah. real and some that I think um, it's not. It, yeah. It's not. I don't think very good for you. It. Uh, it actually feels like an almost immediate drunk, and I feel it in my ears and face. Yeah. I don't like it. It, yeah. it seems like I don't that like if the you taste, had that. So I never get any benefits from it because I don't like the taste. Well, that, is this that black licorice taste? Yeah. So it's I don't Jaeger, like pretty it. Much. Yeah. So I never. I. I don't think I ever had enough in me to actually give an effect. Yeah. I don't know that it's entirely different than another alcohol except yeah. that it is so fast. I think it maybe it feels like a liver. really intense alcohol. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, and I think I could see like depressed artist before the time of, you know, yeah. actual medications. Well, commonly it was mixed with uh, Dilaudid or which is an opium tincture. Yeah. Or smoking opium. So, yeah. and I've smoked raw opium before. I've done Dilaudid and uh, that is a very visual experience once you do enough of it. Um, they call them fever dreams or opium dreams. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's where you 
You're almost like, you know when you're falling asleep and you're halfway awake and halfway asleep? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how it feels. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you if my eyes were open when I was seeing these things. Like, I might have just been laying there with my eyes closed <laughs> experiencing something. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty interesting, though. Um, I love opium. I'm not allowed to have opium because I like it a lot. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I, I absolutely hate narcotics due to my gene mutation, which yeah. changes my receptors. I, I always, always get sick from it. I don't. I feel like maybe I think they say that uh, when you're a redhead like me, you you process it quicker as well. Yeah. So maybe the return on it is not good. I just know that I it's never it's never benefited I me. Mean, it's been necessary. I've had some surgeries and stuff, but yeah, it's I've never understood the draw. And I've seen. I mean, obviously, we live in Jennings County, where we're right in the middle of uh, the opioid crisis. The opioid crisis, yes. produce pharmaceutical and all that. Yeah. And I I was right there with that, and I, I fortunately, I mean. Thank goodness well, for my gingerness. Yeah, because it made that. you never like it. Uh, Hated it. I, uh, I did. I got all the benefits of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, makes you feel real, real good. It's a shortcut to happiness. It, it really, really is. is. It really is. It so is. are amphetamines. Yeah. And I like, uh, I like downers way over uppers. Yeah, well. I never could do uppers. And I've always had a lot of natural pains because of the spina and bifida. And yeah. uh, I didn't realize it was possible to have a life without pain until I tried opioids. Well, the, the, <laughs> the amazing thing is that Purdue had managed to uh, claim that OxyContin was not addictive. Yeah. So they, that, that really happened. <laughs> and it, it was like heroin's ugly brother. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, like, wait a minute. Then they're just, your people were crushing them up and all that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. Well, Justin, I mean, this has been an awesome talk. And I think, uh, I think we can probably close it down at that because I don't think we're going to top that. We're going to have to do our own uh, discussion on uh, our, our thoughts on Addiction. hallucinogens and addiction. And, yeah. Yeah. Substance yeah. use. We got a lot of material to go on here. So. Yeah. It's some amazing stories, man. So yeah, hey, throwaway kids. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to have you back. Yeah, hope to see you soon. Everyone have a good evening.